the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch, and we're glad you are joining us tonight. The difficult times we live in begs the question, where is God during our most challenging times? We believe the more the world becomes chaotic, the more we need to draw closer to God and learn to trust in Him. The Bible is our source for all things that sustain us as Christians. Philippians 4-7 tells us that we can have the kind of peace that transcends all understanding, even when the world seems to be completely out of control. Over the next 30 minutes, Pastor Dudley Rutherford is going to share a message meant for everyone listening right now. We know it is no accident you are with us tonight, for God orchestrates all things perfectly. So let's join Pastor Dudley right now with tonight's message. What is the epicenter of the Bible? The epicenter of the Bible is love. The truth that God in heaven sent his one and only son, just had one, and sent him into this world as a sacrifice who died on the cross just to express his love to you and to me. When you look at the cross, every cross you see, you should be reminded of the love that Jesus Christ had for you that he willingly gave up his life. Willingly he gave up his life for you. Jesus, of course, was a rabbi. He was a teacher. One time he was asked, he was approached and asked, what is the greatest commandment? There's 630 commandments in the Old Testament. And he was asked, what is the greatest? What is the most important commandment? Jesus said the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength, and all of your mind. And then he said the second commandment is like it, and that you are to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then Jesus said something interesting. He said all of the commandments hang on these two commandments. In other words, the entire Bible can be summed up, that our goal is to love God with all of our heart, our soul, our strength, and our mind, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And the reality is, if we don't love God with all of our heart, and if we don't love one another, if we don't love this city, we will never reach this city. If we don't love this city, we're going to teach through the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. It is called the love chapter, 13 verses, where God, everybody say God, not, not Hollywood, not the romance novelist, not the pornographers, not the astrologist, but where God 
describes for us what true love, what biblical love, agape love, is all about. I will tell you, the world knows nothing about this love. Uh, The world will be drawn to this type of love. The world will sit up and take notice when you and I live according to these 13 verses, and they will give you an opportunity to share your faith in Jesus when you exhibit this type of love. We're going to study these 13 verses, but then I want you to live these verses out for the rest of your lives. Can someone say amen? Amen. This 13th chapter begins with a hypothetical question. It says in the very first verse, let's just say, suppose, hypothetically, that I had the ability to speak a thousand different languages. I could speak the tongues of men, the languages of men. Let's say I could speak Hebrew and Greek and Latin and Aramaic and English and Spanish and French and Japanese and Mandarin and Tagalog and Korean and Swahili. And not only can I speak the languages of man, I can speak angelic talk. I actually can speak and have the ability to converse with angels and angels have their own specific language. So let's just suppose hypothetically I had the ability to speak a thousand different languages. Now, just to be clear, I can barely speak English, (laughs) just so you know. But imagine the speaking engagements you you would acquire around this globe while your ability to prove that angels do exist and that you know how to talk to them. And you would make millions on the circuit being uh, willing or able to interpret any and all conversations and languages. And Paul writes, if I could speak the languages of men and of angels, but I did not have this thing called love, I would only be a resounding gong or a clanging what? In other words, all of my words would be meaningless. Write this down. Without love, we produce nothing. It doesn't matter how eloquent you are or how fancy your vocabulary might be or how many languages you speak. While you could speak all day, you would produce nothing but hot air if you didn't have love. Verse 2, he steps it up a notch. If I had the gift of prophecy and I could fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I had a faith that could move mountains but I didn't have love, I am nothing. Paul steps up this hypothetical challenge and he talks about the gift of prophecy This is not fortune-telling or future-telling. This is a God-ordained, Spirit-anointed ability to inspire people with your words and to preach the gospel and, and have what we call effective preaching where you speak, where people's hearts are touched and lives are changed, and you have that ability, plus you could fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. In other words... You knew a billion times more than Google, so when you say, ask Siri, Siri called you up to ask the answer so you could give it out. (laughs) And what he's saying here in verse 2, why, if you could preach the shoes off of a centipede, and you knew the distance between the stars, and you knew which came first, the chicken or the egg, or you knew the DNA sequence of every human being that has ever lived, Or if you could move mountains at the whisk of your hand by the sheer power of your faith, that might be really cool. But if you didn't have love, you're nothing. 
All those abilities are worthless. And then in verse 3, stay with me, he takes it a step further. I want you to think about this just for a minute. Hypothetically, suppose you had the ability to speak a thousand different languages. You. Imagine that. You had the ability to speak a thousand different languages and suppose that you knew all mysteries and you understood all knowledge about all subjects. And imagine you possessed faith that you could speak and move mountains. There's a wee chance you might be a little self-absorbed, a little self-centered, a little cocky, so to speak, if you had those abilities. Is that true? Well, in verse 3, he takes it a step further because he said, if, and this is a much greater person, if I gave everything I had to the least of these and I was willing to lay down my life, I, I, I didn't just have these abilities, but I was willing to lay down my life and surrender my body to the flames. Paul says, if I did all that and I didn't have love, that I'd have nothing Love is the epicenter of everything that is worthwhile. It is the epicenter of everything that matters. Write this down. Without love, we produce nothing. We are nothing. We gain nothing. I have a $50 bill up here. I just noticed it's got a little tear in it. It's a $50 bill. Let's suppose after church I go and buy some groceries over here at Whole Foods. And they take it and they put it in the cash register. And after I purchase my groceries... The manager of the store, there was some electrical work they had done. He takes the $50 out of the cash register door, and he gives it to the electrician. And now the electrician, he goes over to the gas station because his truck is low on gas, and he puts $50 worth of gas in his truck, and he gives the $50 to the person who owns uh, the gas station. The gas station uh, attendant takes the money out because his landlord, his lease is up, He needs to pay that bill, and he uses that $50, and he pays his landlord the $50. Same $50 that I'm holding here. And then the landlord, he takes the money, and he gives it to his daughter, who's in college, and tuition is expensive, and the bill is due at the college. And so she takes the $50, and she pays her school bill with that. The university then takes the $50 and gives it to the professor because they've got to pay him a salary for teaching that girl. The professor takes the $50 and he goes down there to Barnes and Nobles and he buys $50 worth of books. And then the owner of Barnes and Nobles, he attends this church and he comes to church on Sunday morning and puts the same $50 inside the offering plate. And then Pastor Tim takes the $50 and goes over to In-N-Out Burger and sits there and eats $50 worth of hamburger. No, 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 he wouldn't do that. Pastor Tim takes the same $50 and sticks it in the uh, bank where it's discovered that the $50 is counterfeit. The $50 went all over the country, but when it comes to the bank where only real values matter, it was deemed worthless. In a similar way, hear me out, it's possible to minister and to use your God-given gifts that God put within you to serve and to minister in all different kinds of ways. But when we stand before God with whom real value matters, if we did all the things that we do ministry-wise, if we have not ministered with love, it will be of no worth 
or value in the eyes of Almighty God. Starting in verse 4, we have a list of 17 different characteristics of agape love. I want to give you three today. Number one, love is patient. Write that down. Love is patient. This is godly love. The world knows nothing about this kind of love. The Greek word is macrothumia. I want you to say that word, macrothumia. And it means, write this down, macrothemia is to be long-suffering. I'll explain that to you. It, it means to suffer long is what it looks like, but it's more than that. It means that in the midst of the struggle that you're able to hang in there and not give up in your ability to love. There was a teacher who was helping her kindergarten students put on their boots. And this one little boy could not get his boots on. And so she went over there and that little boy pushed as hard as he could push. And that teacher pulled as hard as she could pull. And eventually they got those boots on. Afterwards, the teacher was sweating. And the boy looked up at the teacher and said to the teacher, my boots are on the wrong feet. (laughs) And so she looked and sure enough, those boots were on the wrong feet. And it was Equally as challenging to get those boots off that young boy, but she managed to keep her cool, and together they put those boots on the correct feet, and it was still just as difficult. And after they got those boots on the second time, the boy looked up at the teacher and said, Man, these aren't my boots. (laughs) She said, What? She said, He said, These aren't my boots. And so she bit her tongue rather than to scream. She said, why are you just now telling me these aren't your boots? They got the boots off, and the little boy said, well, they're my brother's boots, but my mom told me to wear these today. (laughs) She didn't know if she should laugh or cry. But she mustered up the courage and the grace and help put those boots on for the third time put them right back on and i mean it was hard difficult and as he was leaving she said now where are your mittens the boy said i put them in the toes of my boots (laughs) macrothumia long suffering it means that you are in the midst of a difficult situation that you don't give up, it's, it's like a physician who is working with a patient who has a, an incurable disease. There is no known cure, but that doctor keeps working. Even though there's no cure, he doesn't give up. He keeps working with that patient. It's a, it's a swimmer out in the middle of the ocean, swimming and paddling towards the shore. He, that swimmer never gives up until they reach the safety of the shore. Love is patient doesn't mean you sit back and do, you're in a tough situation and you sit back and you do nothing. I want you to write this down. It means that you keep moving forward. Even though you're struggling, you don't give up. You keep working. You keep striving for what God wants of you. To be long-suffering, now write this down, it means that when you're patient, that you're allowing God time to work. I'll explain. Most of the time that you lose your patience, it's with a person. Your husband. 
your wife, your children, someone at work. You lose your patience with people. You feel like you got to correct this person. You got to yell or scream or correct. And to be patient means you don't you don't get in there and start fighting verbally. You just take a chill pill, sit back, and you let God have time to work in that person's life. Are you with me? The Bible says these words in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping His promise. The Lord is patient with who? Who? The Lord is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I mean, think about how God has been patient with you. God could have turned us all into french fries like that. We've let God down so many times. And you just think, God, why don't you just turn us all into french fries? Just, I mean, you're so upset. But God's patient. And He's been patient with you. And as God has been patient with you, you need to be patient with other people. It's a love that says, write this down. It's a love that never gives up. You're dealing with someone who is not following Christ... You're dealing with someone who is ignoring the Bible and they act like they're never ever going to follow the Bible and you've got to deal with this person. Love is patient means that you don't get bent out of shape. Instead, you just allow God the time that he needs to work in that person's life. I think of Jesus dealing with those disciples for three and a half years. They were in his inner circle and one of those fellows, his name was Peter, and Peter was the disciple that always put his foot in his mouth. Every time he spoke, he put one foot in his mouth. The next time he would speak, he would take that foot out and put his other foot in his mouth. He was the one that cut off that soldier's ear. He was the one that cursed and denied that he even knew Jesus. Now, this guy is in Jesus' inner circle. He's making bad decision after bad decision, yet Jesus is patient with Peter Because he knows that one day Peter is going to come to truth and understand who Jesus Christ is and the power of the resurrection. And Peter is the one who eventually stands up on the day of Pentecost and preaches and some 3,000 people step forward and give their life to Christ. I want you, how many of you are thankful that Jesus or God was patient with you? Some of you should have been clapping a lot louder than that. And in the same way that God has been patient with you, you and I need to be patient with those who are not following Jesus Christ. Amen. Number two, love is kind. This is the word Christos. Christos, to my knowledge, this is the only place in the Bible that we actually have this Greek word. It means to do good when most people wouldn't or won't. I want you to write this down. It means to show oneself useful. And what that means is that wherever you go and whoever you meet, whenever you meet someone, that you try to do something that is useful for them. Does that make sense? I want you to write this down. 
It means that you do something that is in their best interest, not yours. And here's the kicker. Not expecting anything in return. Turn over to Luke chapter 6. Go over to Luke chapter 6 real quick. Jesus says these words in Luke chapter 6, verse 32. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Anybody can love someone who loves you. Amen? Jesus said, even sinners love those who love them. You ever seen a bunch of sinners sitting at a table? They're having the best time of their life. They all love each other. Verse 33, and if you do good or you're kind towards those who are kind to you, what, 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 what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. Verse 34, Jesus said, and if you lend money to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. I mean, what what good is that? But then Jesus says these words in verse 35. I I say to you, love your what? Your what? Your what? The person who's trying to hurt you? The person who is speaking ill against you? the person that's trying to harm you, the person that holds prejudices against you. Jesus said, anybody can love someone who's nice to them. I say to you, love your enemies and do good. Be kind to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High, because God is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. Oh, that, that. Verse 36 says, be merciful just as your Father is what? Merciful. Now, I know this is, I know this is nothing too complicated, but I believe that most people like to be treated kindly. How many of you like to be treated kindly? If you don't raise your hand, we can be mean to you. (laughs) How many of you like to be treated kindly? We all do, don't we? The problem is we want to be treated kindly, but we're not always kind to others. God wrote this phrase, love is kind, because once you have experienced the kindness of God yourself, He wants you to live your life on this earth treating others the way He has treated you. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 
818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. If you're like me, you've discovered there are some books in the Bible that are not always easy to navigate through. Like for instance, the book of Proverbs. Proverbs contains 31 chapters and can be very daunting to go through if you are looking for a specific topic. That's why Pastor Dudley has created the perfect resource to help you with the book of Proverbs. It's called Proverbs in a Haystack, and it is our special offer for everyone listening today. Proverbs in a Haystack removes the challenge of searching through the book of Proverbs. It has over 2,000 topics that easily cross-reference to the exact chapter and verse you are looking for. This invaluable resource can be yours right now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus radio ministry. You can receive your copy of Proverbs in a Haystack by calling us at 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also order this book directly from our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. We know you will be blessed by this unique resource created exclusively by Pastor Dudley. So be sure to call right now and ask for your copy of Proverbs in a Haystack today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at this same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.